This is Alumni Allowed, a podcast by Graduate Center students for Graduate Center students. In each episode, we talk with a GC graduate about their career path, the ins and outs of their current position, and the career advice they have for students. This series is sponsored by the Graduate Center's Office of Career Planning and Professional Development. candidate in educational psychology at the Graduate Center. I work in our Office of Career Planning and Professional Development, and I interviewed Dr. Rob Silva, who is Senior Medical Director in Neurology at Ipsen Biopharmaceuticals. Today in the office, we have Dr. Rob Silva, who graduated from the Graduate Center's Clinical Neuropsychology Program, um, and then did a postdoc and has had a bunch of jobs in the pharmaceutical industry. He's going to be talking to us about all of the opportunities that are available in the pharmaceutical industry and also offer some advice for students who are getting their PhD and interested in doing more research when they leave. So um, why don't you first give us a rundown of what you did after the program? Sure. sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so I graduated from the Clinical Neuropsychology Program, which is housed at Queen's College in uh, 2002. After that, I did a postdoc. Uh, uh, the, uh, my graduate work was in opioid pharmacology. Uh, my, uh, after that, I did a postdoctoral fellowship at Columbia College of Physicians and Surgeons in the Department of Neurology there, working on in vivo pharmacology related to movement disorders. I was there for three years. Uh, that's when I made my foray after that into industry, into the pharmaceutical industry specifically. Um, and I joined Sharing Plow, which is now Merck. Uh, for three years where I did a bit of clinical work uh, in the hepatology uh, therapeutic area, which was a little bit out of my domain. Um, after that, I joined a company called Synovian, which is a Japanese pharmaceutical company out of New Jersey uh, and Massachusetts. And I was there for nine years, uh, worked on uh, psychiatry and neurology clinical programs there, um, and worked on a, a team that uh, was uh, responsible for the launch, uh, the successful authorization and launch of a atypical antipsychotic, which was very successful. And as of about two years ago, I joined a French pharmaceutical company called Ipsen, um, and working there in a similar capacity uh, as senior medical director uh, in neurology. Okay, so right now you're senior medical director. Correct. Great. Um, so in that job, can you explain to us maybe what your average day or sure. maybe average week would be like? What kind of responsibilities sure. do you have? Sure. So in my role as a medical director, uh, I am responsible for several different independent programs that are aimed at evaluating uh, clinical efficacy and safety of pharmaceutical products, uh, in this case uh, aimed at in the pain therapeutic area. So we have uh, working on a, f a couple of programs uh, involving pain. And a typical day for me is uh, essentially um, depending on the day and the program, but it, it ranges from developing programs, working with the leading uh, key opinion leaders in the United States and, and globally in these different therapeutic areas to establish what the therapeutic needs are and, and uh, creating uh, clinical programs, designing and creating clinical programs that support uh, the successful evaluation of that, so clinical trials, etc., and ultimately filing those data uh, with the health authorities in both the United States and globally. Um, so it ranges from that type of sort of strategic uh, development work to 
uh, operational work, which is the basic machinery of conducting clinical trials, global clinical trials, um, which as you can imagine with hundreds or thousands of patients is a complicated endeavor, uh, lots of moving parts, and uh, essentially I'm responsible for ensuring that that gets carried out on time and uh, you know gives us the highest probability of success. So it's, it sounds like you're managing a lot of research at this point yes, in your career. for sure. And so how did you, can you briefly explain how you moved through that? Like sure. what your career trajectory sure. would look like to sure. get to your point? Yeah, yeah good question. So uh, as, as uh, I've said in the past to various graduate students, that uh, is that your experience in graduate school is partly under your control and the uh, experience that you get will have an impact on the ultimate job that you want to get. Uh, and so for me personally, I was involved in a lot of in vivo uh, work, both in, un, uh, both in graduate school and in my postdoc. Um, and what I did was I realized a little bit late in the game towards my postdoc that I did not want to do an academic uh, job and I did not want to uh, be a professor or anything like that. And I was very interested in industry. I thought it was a dynamic area where uh, the cutting edge research is actually happening. So I tried to position myself and my experience and my research topics to have the maximum value uh, with regard to the clinical impact of that work. So what I'm trying to say in, in short is that I wanted to be in clinical, in the pharmaceutical industry. And to get there, I needed to position myself and get the experience that I needed to, to get there. So in my postdoc, I selected a postdoc um, that was clinical in nature. Um, you know, Parkinson's disease and neurodegenerative disease, and uh, that was sort of my launching point. That was a, a, that gave me the ability when I first approached pharmaceutical companies. Uh, that gave me the ability to market myself and explain how I could do that job, uh, even though I had never had direct experience with clinical trial prior to that point. Great, and that seems that seems like a good segue into uh, our bigger question about. Um, so how do you make that transition from a graduate student who works in labs, sometimes just with mice, sometimes yeah, yeah. with pigeons, yeah, depending yeah. on what lab you're in, um, how do you make that transition into um, a pharmaceutical company and mm -hmm. you convince them that you can do people trials, sure. basically? I think the first step is to understand the, the playing field uh, and to look at specific jobs and to look at what their qualifications are. And I can tell that if I'm telling someone to do that, they're going to get very scared very fast because they're going to look at the jobs and in some cases not even understand what the language or terminology of the description of the job is. Um, that is commonly, in my experience with graduate students, a real barrier for them to think outside the box and to think about a position or a career in a different area. And what I'm, what I'm going to say is, practically speaking, I find that most graduate students are talented. Of course, they have to have a base level of talent, but most talented graduate students can adapt their skills from their graduate school experience directly to pharma industry, in my opinion. Um, I think it just has to do with understanding the position and understanding what they're going to expect of you and not feeling like you can't do it. There's a big um, sort of weight on people's shoulders when they think about this. They think, I need to have the, the exact requisite skills to perform this job. And that's largely true. However, it doesn't mean that you can't easily adapt with you, your experience to be successful in a pharmaceutical company. But therein lies the biggest challenge, which is convincing 
a hiring manager at a pharmaceutical company, that you can do that job. And oftentimes, to my great surprise, um, people in industry don't understand the sort of structure of what it, what it means to be a PhD. They see PhDs from all over the world. They don't know exactly what it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, and f- as a result, they don't understand that this person, yes, of course this person can do the job. And that's the barrier that you, you the prospective employee, needs to overcome. And you need to convince them and pull out from your experiences what you can do and how to do the job. And again, that takes knowing the job to some degree, talking to people in that job, talking to people in that industry, mm-hmm. and trying to match what, what, you, what you have to that job. And that's why I think in graduate school, you have a unique experience to tailor your, your educational experience through courses, through fellowships, through uh, practica, et cetera, things that are going to get you where you need to be. And my description of this is, of course, very biased. It comes from a neuroscience, basic neuroscience to a clinical neuroscience. But what I'm saying can easily, easily be adapted to other domains within um, graduate school because um, one of the things that people don't know about pharmaceutical industry is that it's not just labs and it's not just people tinkering around in labs. It's an organization, a multifaceted organization, that has many different uh, sort of job functions within it and talented people, like people who have PhDs from institutions that, that are obviously uh, prestigious or not prestigious, I think that those people can help their chances of getting there by um, knowing what the playing field is and understanding what's on the other side and not trying to avoid the sort of this nesting, this nice comfortable nest that people exist in when they're in an academic setting I don't mean jobs I mean graduate students specifically Mm -hmm. Um, oftentimes we get you know you know we're told what our courses have are we're told this is the general framework of what your research should be and it's easy to lose sight of the fact that you're actually here to be trained to perform a job and it's not an it's not purely an opportunity to uh, you know follow your scientific interests. Ideally, you want both. You want to be able to follow your scientific interests while getting an education that's going to land you a job that you want. Um, but you have to consider both sides of the, of the coin. So then let's talk about the practical advice you have to fill in that gap. So would you, you did mention talking to people in the industry. Yes. So, um, so as graduate students, we should be reaching out mm-hmm to people that already have jobs in these fields and then doing somewhat we call informational interviews, right? Yes. Um, And what kinds of things should you ask people in industry? Good question. What's good to look for? Good question. So people in industry are, if if you can find someone in industry that you, in in not just pharmaceutical industry, but in any industry, I guess, but um, if you can find someone to explain or have some description of what the framework is of a pharmaceutical company, it's not just to make money. It is a business, but it's not just to make money. As you can see from the landscape that, you know, many of the treatments that we have available for, for all kinds of uh, disorders and diseases, um, you know, got their birth, may have gotten their birth in a, in a lab somewhere, an academic lab or a pharmaceutical lab, but the machinery and sort of overall structure of how you get a drug approved requires a lot of different functions. And I think within pharmaceutical industry, I don't think many graduate students know that you know you have education, you have training, marketing, 
business, uh, different aspects of, depending on the type of research, you may have a significant interest in cognition, um, things like that, uh, that would help the company position itself for success for a given program or, or, or there's a lot of arms to get into. There's a lot of arms to yeah. get into, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's a lot of areas that, that you would never think. And um, as I say to many graduate students, um, just as a vignette, the day that I defended my dissertation, I did not know that the job that I currently have, or jobs like it for that matter, existed. So that goes to show you how far behind I personally was. Mm-hmm. And again, it just went back to this... Uh, thing of just expecting that things would fall into place. And so getting to talk to people who work in, even if, if it's not the job you would want, if they're in that structure, they can let you know there's a position like this. I know Absolutely. somebody that does this at Absolutely. my company. Yep, yep. Um, and, and it and, offers yeah. you the facility mm-hmm. uh, on which to base a discussion with a hiring manager. So mm. if you yeah. don't know the lingo, you mm. don't understand clinical trials, you don't understand that they're regulated by health authorities, of course, you're not going to know that unless you've been doing it. But if you know the the overall structure of the industry, it goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other thing that I think is important, albeit maybe a little bit strange to suggest, is that I learned a lot from applying to jobs and talking to recruiters mm-hmm. and getting feedback from recruiters about my specific experience and how it matches up with positions that are open. So. I know it sounds kind of like you want me to talk to recruiters to get experience, but what I'm saying is talking to recruiters really gives you a sense of what are they looking for? What are the goals of the hiring manager in terms of hiring this person with the expertise that they need? Mm -hmm. Because it's a catch-22 that we're in in terms of pharmaceutical business and in terms of other businesses that you need experience to get into the business, but you can't get experience unless you're in the business. So this is a real significant challenge. And I know by from personal experience and from people that I've spoken to that there are times that um, people don't recognize that and people don't understand that that's a barrier. Uh, that's a barrier that you need to overcome and no one's going to give it to you. And you can't bank your future career on someone you know, reading the tea leaves uh, of your dissertation uh, and your experience and in their mind adapting how you would be in that role. That the, the, the mindset in industry is that you're being hired to do a job not that you're on an assembly line but your expertise has to be adaptable to what it is they're doing right so thinking about uh, the kinds of skills that you're using now would you change anything about your graduate school experience to better prepare you yeah I I think I would change a little bit Um, I have no I thought I think that my research topics both in my graduate school and in postdoc were were really great Uh, I thought they were at the time poignant even poignant today uh, with the opioid crisis but what I would have done differently is I would have made uh, an attempt to get direct clinical experience ideally in a lab or in a research uh, organization that was conducting clinical trials. I think if you want to do clinical trials um, and you want to do clinical, I mean clinical pharmaceutical based medicine, you really have to have some type of experience with clinical trials. And That if you, sticks out to hiring managers. That sticks out yeah. tremendously to hiring managers. And I, I mean any type of clinical experience or clinical trial experience would put you ahead of the game from someone that didn't have it. and. That's because I think in the pharmaceutical business, like I said, 
and in any business, uh, they are hiring you for a job, and they don't, you know, they're used to seeing people with experience. They're not used to seeing people that refer to their experience as their dissertation. So that's another barrier where you need to overcome. You, you need, need to, to go translate in there. that for them. That's right. You need to translate that for them and be able to, you know, adapt your skills and adapt what you've experienced uh, to the job. That's why I started off by saying it's important to know what the job is and what you want to do. Mm-hmm. You can't, I don't think, in my opinion, just have a general plan. Um, and I don't mean to scare anyone, but it has to be part of your strategy. Just like you are planning the trial, planning the studies for your dissertation and planning who's going to be in your dissertation committee, you should already be looking at the potential job opportunity and what you need to do to get there. And a lot of people don't think that. A lot of people think, I'm open, I have a lot of different skills, I can do almost anything, and I have a PhD, so hire me. Not exactly how it works. Uh, so maybe you can now give us some information, some like inside information on the pharmaceutical industry. Because if you are going to go into private sector work, if that's what you're thinking about, the pharmaceutical industry is huge. Yes. So you can expand on that. And you also tell us about other kinds of PhDs that you might work with sure. that are outside of maybe biochem and neuropsych. Yep, yep, yeah. good point. Uh, so your point about the pharmaceutical industry, the reason, of course, I have a lot of experience in it, but the reason why I think it's a good fertile area for people to consider is that not everybody at the pharmaceutical company has a PhD. I don't want to call it, or MD, or, or PharmD, I don't want to call it rarefied air, but typically speaking, people with advanced degrees are earmarked for more advancement, uh, positions of, of, of more um, responsibility, and so that makes it tailor-made for someone like like we are, we were, I was, and you are. Um, to be able to look into that industry and understand there are many different areas. Here's one example. Uh, I know for a fact that people in uh, industrial organizational psych target HR departments and HR type of organizations. Pharmaceutical business has a huge HR infrastructure. But that's not to say that that experience can't be adaptable to something like a marketing uh, job where you're not doing marketing of you know, you have to be interested in pharmaceutical business, but your experiences, you know, you may not know this, but your experiences and your education may actually make you a perfect fit for a pharmaceutical company um, that has an interest in building their HR or marketing or any, any one of a, no, a number of different uh, cross-functional groups within pharmaceutical business. So as far as inside knowledge, I would say, of course, I'm biased, but I think when you think about a Clinical, psychi- clinical psychology, PhDs, anybody that has any type of uh, relationship to um, the scientific aspect of things. I think the name of the game there is to understand where in the pharmaceutical company you would want to go. So within that, just within that small slice of medicine, for example, you've got people doing chemistry research. So they're doing chemistry on the molecule or entity that we're studying. You've got folks doing in vitro research, uh, which is you know using petri dishes, etc. In vivo research, people doing what's called preclinical animal work, evaluating the pharmacodynamics, pharmacokinetics of a given drug in animal species, and then you have the clinical domain or or translational medicine, which is where you do studies that are trying to translate, if you will, the findings of, of earlier studies into models that mimic the human uh, model. 
And then you've got pure clinical, which is pure phase, well, pure clinical trial work. So even within that little microcosm of clinical science, if you will, or medicine, you have four or five different established, well-defined groups that are all working on the same kind of thing, but from a different aspect. And I think that within pharmaceutical business in particular, you find that a lot. So within these other groups, there are specialties within that group. Um, and this is something that's totally, totally unknown. Uh, and in my personal experience, of course, it was quite a while ago, 2002, <laughs> but um, I didn't know. I, no one ever told me that clinical trials have all these people working on them, you know, talented scientists and doctors. You know, no one told me. I didn't know. And I always felt since I left that, and I've been engaged with the Graduate Center and Queens College specifically over the years, uh, and I think it's important that, that students hear from people in the industry just because it gives them a sense of, this is what I could do. Um, more, a lot of people have bias based on other, what other people in their labs do, what other people in their group do, what other people at their graduate school do. And they just think, yeah, I'm going to finish my, like in my case, I'm just going to finish my PhD, get a postdoc, and then get an academic job somewhere. Because I thought that's what the track was, and that's what is going to happen. Um, had I known sooner, I would have done a few things a little differently. Yeah, do you have any Do you have any advice for current, um, maybe we're at the end of the dissertation, yeah, yeah. looking for job possibilities? Where Where would you start? Where would you recommend looking? I would, I would uh, first figure out where you think you want to go. And it's hard to do when you don't know that the job exists, for example. So I think the first step would be to start looking at job descriptions, like I said before, and start trying to make contacts. I Last time I was here at the, uh, at the Graduate Center uh, as part of a uh, discussion with graduate students, I found that in talking to them about their prospective roles and what they were going to do, I thought that they weren't exposed to what the potential options would be. And so I think for those folks who don't have, you know, their window of getting a job for when they graduate is shortened, I think they should be more practical and actually start looking and applying for jobs. If right. possible. It's never too soon to, to, to too even soon. be looking at them. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I applied for a job and just a short story about applying for a job. Again, with this bias, I thought when I finished my postdoc, that it would be very easy and simple and straightforward for a pharmaceutical company to just hire me because here I am, newly minted PhD with a some few years of postdoctoral experience. I thought I had all the requisite skills. I thought I could easily adapt to whatever program they were gonna do. But I started applying for jobs and finding out that one of the critical features was they wanted someone with experience in a pharmaceutical lab. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of the things and then I started drilling down as to why. Are they looking for experience in a specific technique, uh, electron microscopy, or, you know, so these types of like granular evaluations of what the job is, even if you don't know specifically what that job is, um, are, is important. Number two is do not panic when you see a job description and certainly do not, you know, what's the word? Do not raise your nose at certain jobs because you don't think they fit in with your idealized version of what you think your job should be. So I'll give you an example. A few years ago, a number of years ago, I was approached by a, a former graduate student that asked me if I could uh, you know, talk to someone at my company. They wanted a job in clinical. Um, and so even within clinical, again, 
another subform is this clinical operation. So those folks are responsible for executing the plan, if you will, you know, recruiting the patients, identifying the research centers that are going to do it, blah, blah, blah. Of course, as you can understand, we're a business, so we have to contract with these people. So part of the job, part of any job in pharmaceutical business, as you raise through the ranks, is budgets. So budgets and fiscal information, you have to be sort of, you know, it has to be, it's part of your life. So I think this is an imp interesting vignette because I got this person an interview. Uh, I spoke to the hiring manager and I said, just what I told you today, this person's definitely qualified. They don't have the experience in blah, blah, blah. Person went in, had an interview. I spoke to the person afterward and said, how did the interview go? Uh, the person told me, yeah, I'm really not that interested in the job. Um, and I said, why? You know, I thought it would be perfect for you. You know, you want to make, you want to get into clinical. This is a good opportunity to get in operations, and then you can, you know, mm -hmm. be part of the strategic kind of thing. They said, no. It, they, they they were talking to me about budgets and stuff like that. And <laughs> That's like, going to be included in every. Yeah, I was like, and. <laughs> uh, and they were like, yeah, no, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to do budgets. Like, I was like, you turned down a job. I didn't turn down. You, you turned down an opportunity because you saw something in there that made you think that you were going to be, what, an accountant? Like, you, that's my point. So that sort of naivete mm -hmm. can hurt you and can hurt you bad because, you well, know. You're bringing it up now, so that's good to know. <laughs> that's something I would have considered, but yeah, it makes a lot oh, of yeah. sense. You start yeah. to see those descriptions and you're like, Budgets, uh, mm -hmm. electronic data capture. So just split, just expect those kinds of things to be in there. Absolutely, okay. and you have to have a can-do attitude, and mm -hmm. you have to say, "I want to be in this business. This may not be the perfect fit for me, or what I think is the perfect fit, but more often than not, that opens up a world of opportunity for you." Right. So I was about to ask. So what's the movement like? Once you're in the industry, yeah. then yeah. you probably have a lot more freedom. And yeah, once yeah. you're in industry again, you you run the risk like anything else um, of being sort of pigeonholed, um, especially when you think about the differences between a pharmaceutical industry or an industry in general and what you do in graduate school and your postdoc, it's that you don't, once you start that job, the, the, the flip side of things are if you stay in one specific job too long, you become kind of, that you build experience in that area. So I also tell a lot of graduate students that once you land in the pharmaceutical industry, uh, in the pharmaceutical job, you should try to see where you can expand and what experiences you can gain, projects you can get on to try to make your way to the job that you truly want. Right. But at the very least, you're getting experience. So mm -hmm. even if it doesn't work out and you don't like the job, you've already, <laughs> you're already at least 100% more likely to get a job, another job, than in someone that without industry. that experience. Got it. So I can't underscore enough the need to demonstrate experience and expertise yeah. that is that is relevant to what they want the job to be done. Because after all, mm -hmm. that's what we're in this for, right? We want to have rewarding work, uh, and we want to get paid for it, mm -hmm. um, and we want to have an opportunity to build a career and 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 grow. And the pharmaceutical industry is a very fertile ground for that. Great. Good. Okay. Well, those, those are some really good explanations. So would there be anything else you'd want to add 
uh, something people should be doing in graduate school that you that you know get on this. A, lo yeah. a lot of our uh, previous interviewees have mentioned like coding languages if you're going into data science. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you have something? I think the only thing. Well, I think that you. It goes back to what we said initially. I didn't even know about that. What you said. I'm happy to hear that. There's some kind of cohesion to what people are saying, mm -hmm. uh, advice-wise. Um, I, I just think that you need to know the end. You need to know what's at the finish line mm. in order to get there. Otherwise, you'll never get there. Um, right. You just will never get there. And I, f you know, I just I want folks to understand that there's an inertia that people go through where they don't exactly know what they're going to do. And I've seen it over and over and over. What ends up happening is people end up in these sort of academic type of environments. Um, which ultimately are not rewarding for them, for some of them, of course, uh, and then it's too late. Mm -hmm. So people that are, you know, in an academic position for 10 years after they have their PhD, their transition to pharmaceutical industry or industry in general is going to be more difficult. Mm -hmm. It's just a fact. So you guys, graduate students in general, are in this, like, really critical period where you don't have experience yet and you have to get it, but you don't have too much experience where it's going to lock you out of certain fields. So you really, you have the whole world open to you, mm -hmm. especially if you, you know, if this message actually penetrates early enough that you can actually manipulate what you're doing, tailor it, is a mm -hmm. better word, to mm -hmm. what you want to do. And it's, without, without understanding that variable, there's no way to, for you to figure it out. So the only other parting advice, I would, uh, mm -hmm. parting thing I would say is that, you know, it's important to establish these contacts and it's important to, you know, sort of pound the pavement with opportunities and Start sort becoming of, aware of yeah, what's available. Absolutely. And yeah. um, I'm happy to help folks that have an interest in pharmaceutical industry and mm -hmm. business in general um, and, and help, you know, sort of give them a reality check of what it is that they could be doing to make, to maximize the chances that they're going to get the job that Great. they want. Great. And of course, we always here as well our office of course <laughs> and with our events okay so um if that's everything then we'll wrap up and uh, i want to thank you for coming into our office today my pleasure this is super helpful and uh we'll talk soon thank you all right thanks, have a good one thanks again to rob for coming in and talking about his fulfilling career in the pharmaceutical industry if you want to learn more about the types of opportunities that rob described you should check out our calendar of events you can also sign up for career advisement and writing service appointments on our website at .is/careerplan. And for the most up-to-date announcements, follow us on Twitter at CareerPlanGC. Thanks for listening.